Hi everybody and welcome to Let In The Cells Cooldown, our post-match reaction to Celtic 7 Dundee 1. I think for me, Ross, obviously, before we get cracked into all the goals, it felt like we weren't going to stop in the first half. First of all, how you feeling? I'm feeling good after that. Um, I wanted us, well, we all said it, uh, certainly in the group chat, that we wanted us to carry on that sort of fast-paced, um, penetrative Penetrative, penetrative um, football that we, we showed in the Motherwell game in the second half. And, I mean, the first couple of minutes were a bit edgy. Uh, Dundee put a couple of um, diagonals in it that we didn't deal with too well. But uh, after that, we never really looked back. And it was an outstanding performance in that first half. Yeah, it was brilliant. Sam Fran, as it was in very early on in the comments, we well, haven't gone away, you know. I think uh, Anthony coined that phrase as well on the Monday podcast, Trains of the Doctor. Brilliant <coughs> performance, 3.7 goals, and more importantly, we look like Celtic again. I'm very happy with that. My confidence in Brendan and the boys has grown a wee bit. Um, Anthony Dunn, great to have you along. Gavin, boy Kelly, what's his position and how old is he? I think he's just a young boy coming for the academy. And see, to be fair as well, and also Anthony's calling out your retro tap. He said, what is it? Yeah, it that's an absolute raid of a, re- a retro tap, so there you go. <laughs> There you go. You're getting called out already. But I think for for me, like I was sitting with McGranda and we were just so relaxed from from the get go. I mean, I missed the first five minutes of it because it was busy, but I got down there. I know Dundee had a chance very early on, but I mean, let's gloss over that to be fair. No diagonal balls aren't really our strong point at the moment, but I think the performance as a whole, we were speaking about on Monday's podcast. We want to see that complete 90 minute team performance and why we break down the goals and individual players I think certainly anyway but did get that for the majority of the game yes we had a bit of lapses of concentration and, and things which we'll come on to but I just want to start kind of straight away here get into the first goal O'Reilly with a, a free kick whipped in and it, it looked like anyway that Celtic practiced that kind of lineup for the set pieces it was different from what I've seen usually it was Carter Vickers tailing off to the back post I think it was the Dundee striker trying to mark him and his strength just getting above him and it was a great header and Again, it's great to see headers being scored again. Ah, well, aye, it's it's something that we've sort of lacked. Eh, evening, Paul. Um, aye, something we've sort of lacked eh, most of the season. Um, set pieces, it's not been a strong point in both boxes. Eh, but the night um, we, we came up trumps in that first goal, as you say. Uh, it's a really good whipped-in ball from Matt O'Reilly into the back post. It comes from a, a decent, sort of decent angle for a free kick for to do what he done. Um, but, as you say, Carter Vickers at the back post, he just wanted it more. Uh, it wasn't the greatest connection. I, had, I think it maybe even comes off the Dundee player after Carter Vickers gets the connection. Mm. But, you know, taking it away from him, it's, it's his goal. It's, on, it's going on target and it's, it's actually... For all the world, he doesn't make a great connection. It, it looks like a good header and it gets us off. After I said that sort of, not shaky start, but Dundee done what, what they expect him to do. They, they pump balls in just to put Celtic under pressure and put them in the back foot early doors. But that just settled everything down. Carter Vickers been in the team, does that anyway, but he just added a goal to it the night and it was fantastic just to get off to that start and just, as I say, settle everything down. Yeah, Paul McFarren. Ross looked like a Celtic fan. My Stephen looks like corporate. Thanks very much. <laughs> but I, I think for me, having having Carter Vickers back in the team, there was definitely a more calmness edge about the back four. 
and I thought Alistair Johnson had a great game. Greg Taylor was, I thought he was so demandful all night. There was times where he was cracking up at Carter Vickers for not playing that ball quick. Oh, we dropped off. We dropped off there a wee bit. Did, did, did we get to the Greg Taylor stuff? I got the Greg Taylor and uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> ah, we'll go with it anyway. We'll, we'll restart. But no, I think there was times as well where Greg Taylor was like, come on, Vickers, get this ball to me quicker. Obviously, that connection is coming back as well. And I just thought, as you said, having him back settled everyone's nerves. And he's seen scales for me. had a, a better game than he had recently in, in performances. I thought he looked more sure of himself, more calm and composed on the ball. But, I mean, we spoke about one header. Another header came very, very shortly after. Another whip ball in by Johnson. And Ida managed to get the back of the dome on it. And it was a great striker's goal. And I want to kind of put a wee question in here. This, and, and with that goal as well, to yourself, Ross, Ida definitely has won the, the heart of Brendan Rodgers. In the meantime, Kyogo's dropped to the bench. So obviously, he's been our best striker for the last two and a half seasons, but he just scored twice in the previous game from open play. People said he wouldn't score after the penalty kicks, and then he's he banged in another header, and, and a great, again, a wonderful assist by Alistair Johnson. Aye. Um, I thought the, the actual the ball in for the Alistair Johnson was brilliant. Um, and again, he was another one that carried on <coughs> the sort of the sort of form for the second half at uh, Motherwell on um, Sunday. Uh, he, I really like the combination of him and Yang down that right hand side. Uh, I thought Yang was really good tonight as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not everything came off for him, but um, he was kept trying. Always, uh, always shown for the ball. Uh, Maybe overplays it a wee bit sometimes, but certainly in terms of linking up with Alistair Johnson, he was giving him that. He was allowing Alistair Johnson to overlap, eh, and that's how he got the goal. He overlapped, and then he, he, he whipped that ball in, and as you say, he did get in front of his man at the, the near post. And it's Again, it, it looks like it's not the best connection, but that it, the difference for the Carter-Vickers one is it doesn't look like the best connection, but he's he's glanced it, as you say, with the back yeah. of his head, and it's it's a more deliberate sort of movement uh, or action for either, and it's it's an actually a brilliant header and a brilliant goal all round. Um, but I I mean, you, you say he's won the heart of Rogers. I think he absolutely has. Uh, not taking it, not taking anything away for either. Um, I thought he was uh, instrumental in the second half at Fir Park, but again. Like a lot of his performances for Celtic, I don't think he was. Uh, well, I think James has used the, the term largely anonymous. I think that he uh, was sort of fitting mm. the night again. He did. Listen, he's a presence up there and a focal point, but in terms of touches on the ball, there wasn't a great lot of touches for either. But he's the guy that's putting the ball in the net now, and he's the guy on form and the guy with confidence. That's not me saying that. Uh, He's a better player than Kyogo, but right now, you have to say that. I mean, Kyogo comes into the game tonight, and it's it's the game's done. Eh, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of different substitutions, so it's difficult. He, he nearly got his goal, but I think again, you probably going into the, the the game at Tynecastle. I think that you probably have to go either just because he looks the more constant player, and he's the one picking up goals now, and Kyogo hasn't. So, and we need goals, and yeah. we need players with confidence in the team. And Edith definitely does have that. And to be fair, I had the same perception of him. Yeah, 
he's the focal point. We know Rogers likes to play that way, but there was times where he was not really getting into great positions. He wasn't coming short and linking up the play. Yeah, he, could, he held it up a few times and he brought players into play, but it was, like you said, it was some, sometimes he would do it. Another 10 minutes, 15 minutes go by, you don't really see him in the game that much, but he is scoring the goals and Rogers seems to have him his first pick. Gavin comes in, that goal made it 2-0, but before I move on, I never saw the game. But want to hear people's rating of Yang. Does he have a potential to be a regular in the starting eleven? Certainly, from my point of view, he definitely does. I think in the, the short term of seeing Kuhn, I think Yang definitely offers more. He, like you said, Ross, sometimes it doesn't come off for him, but he's he keeps trying. He keeps going at his man. He, and Owen Beck, to be fair, there was a lot of hype about him, and he could Owen Beck could have been sent off two or three times with the fouls he committed on the Yang. But I like him. He gets me off my seat. I think he's exciting. I've always liked him since he's been in the Celtic shirt. But what do you think compared to the other wingers we have? Is he the one who has the jersey on the right-hand side? For me, I um, To me, Yang, as I said, no everything comes off from He's. I'm not going to use that term, but he is. He's still young and learning. He's And he's finding his way and finding his feet in a new country. Um, but I think for me, what... What I want a Celtic winger to be and what I expect a Celtic winger down the years to be like. I think Yang possesses all the attributes and fits and starts. Uh, but I think he's got all the attributes to become a really good Celtic winger. He's everything I want a Celtic winger to do. And he's, he's doing... For me, he's, he's the one that makes things happen more than any other yep. winger that we've got. Albeit, as I say, we all agree that it doesn't always come off from, but he just needs to keep plugging away, and as I say, it's what I say, twenty-two, something like that, and he's come yeah. to the other side of the world. So it takes some people a bit longer to settle than others. It has taken him a wee while. He's been in and out of the team, but right now, for me, on that right-hand side, I think it's his jersey to lose at the moment. The only frustrating thing for me is he goes down a bit too easily, and he looks for a lot Aye. of fouls. He looks for a lot of penalties, and it's like get that out of your game. I think he'll Aye. be flying. I agree with that. Um, by the way, I was talking about Ida there as well. Just thinking, excuse me, um, saying that he was sort of anonymous in the game and uh, not a lot of touches. I think that's probably a lot to do with the fact that we weren't going down the middle and trying to mm-hmm. like, put balls into him to hold up and then bring players into play. We were getting it down the wings quick, overlapping uh, and 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 really attacking the wide areas as we did keep going back to the Motherwell game but it was such a good performance in that second half that we've drawn on that and we were getting the ball wide quick and no going through the striker and just trying to get balls into him wasn't always going to him but that's probably another reason as to why he didn't have as many touches as you would maybe expect yeah, because when Kugel was in the starting lineup, we were trying to go through the middle and link up the play with him. He was dropping deep. But like you said, with Ida in the box, it provides the focal point, someone you can hit. And I think Alistair Johnson, again, a, a fantastic assist and cross. And another person who assisted was Greg Taylor, kind of replicated his cross at Motherwell at Fair Park. The deep cross, he whipped it in already. The, the second runner from midfield wasn't picked up. And again, another header. And see, for me, to be honest, look, you all know I'm not Greg Taylor's biggest fan, but I thought that was one of his best performances tonight in a Celtic shirt. I thought, and people say leadership and kind of laugh at it, but he showed a lot of leadership, a lot of fitness, a lot of desire and passion that you want to see from a Celtic man. He was getting into midfield positions. He was overlapping when he could. 
And then also, again, he did get on the score sheet, but we'll, we'll come on to that. But first of all, his cross, that's two, two assists in, in, in two games. Kind of the same kind of cross. And O'Reilly making that run from deep and him getting on the score sheet would do his confidence and picking up his form where it was before Christmas. Can only see him set off the rest of the season. Aye, absolutely. Um, I think you said to me before we came on, the, that was a, don't like to harp back to it, but that was like a, a, an Ange type Celtic team performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, when you look at our two wing backs, Alistair Johnson was uh, playing that sort of natural full back over Latham. He gets the assist for um, Ida. And then Greg Taylor is playing on the other side, more inverted. I think that's how Ange sort of used them as well. And Greg Taylor, he picks it up in his most sort of dangerous, his strongest position when he picks it up. And that, uh, what Brendan Rodgers called uh, on Sunday, that, that half space, uh, and he picks that ball out again. And, listen, he done it. I think, that, I think it was Greg Taylor at Taylor, Craig, Greg Taylor that played the ball in for a for that similar position for Matt O'Reilly to get the winner at Far Park early in the season. So mm. he really enjoys putting the ball up in that area. And nine times out of ten, if he gets the opportunity in the space to, to find that ball, he usually picks it out. And that's probably, he's, as everybody's alluded to before, that that's his sort of midfield days coming to the fore there. Yeah, Andrew Taggart, that first half was Ansball. Simple one touch and pass forward, a totally different style from what we've watched all season. And look, like we said, we don't like the hard back to it, but there was a clear difference for me from a tactical point of view from what we've seen in previous games. But it's a, it's a difference for a good thing. It brings the best out in the players. And look, sometimes you may have to compromise your own system. I'm not saying Rogers is, but there was a clear one touch ethos going on there. I remember saying it to McGrand, it was just quick up the pitch, get into the wings, get into the box. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was simple and effective. Yeah. I think they were trying to do that, and see, see, for I mean, albeit the first half at Far Park was really bad, but I said during that first half that I could see th- the message was move the ball quicker, get it wide quicker, but they just weren't executing it to to the, how how to me Rogers was asking, uh, and in that second half I think they did and they've carried it on, but for me I, I think it was a clear message for the work goal mm-hmm. uh, going into the Far Park game that. We need to move the ball quicker because it's just it's been too slow and laborious. But I don't think for one second that Rogers has been telling the Celtic players to move the ball as slowly as what they had been in previous no, games. No, no, no yeah. manager's going to ask them to do that. Nobody's that um, sort of negative and reserved in their approach, especially when you're the Celtic manager and you know you're going to have the lion's share of the ball. Um, so for me, I think there's probably been a slight sort of message change for Rodgers uh, but I think that coupled with the fact that the players seem to be playing me a lot more confidence now uh, it's, a, it's a good mix Yeah, it definitely is <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, 100% I'm actually, I was thinking before we come on there and when I was driving back up home like I'm actually buzzing tonight and it's been maybe on the odd occasion where you felt that this season, obviously because of the indifferences and the different things going on and behind the club and you're focusing on that. But tonight was just enjoyment from my point of view. And yeah, people may say it's Dundee, but you have to beat what's in front of you. And we, we did that very convincingly and it could have been a hell of a lot worse. But I mean, that was three headers. Our first three goals represented three headers. I think that's incredible. And then another person... Who got on the on the score sheet was our our Duracell bunny Dyson Mieta. He switched to the right hand side, 
already played a lovely ball kind of in that space and into the box where no one could quite touch it. Maeda, like we always think his first touch is, is horrendous. Like the majority of the time it may be, but he took his time, found the composure to turn his defender, finish with the left foot in the bottom left-hand corner. And I thought it was a fantastic goal, probably one of my favourite goals of the evening, mainly because you don't expect that from Dyson. He'd done a similar thing at Easter Road where he cut in and, and smacked a, a cracking goal. I think it was earlier in the season, wasn't it? Or was it last season? I can't quite uh, remember. Yeah, I but think it might have been last season. Though. Yeah, but he'd done something similar, obviously, from a lot long, like a, <clears throat> a longer out. But he was in the box. He took his time. Well-placed finish. And again, O'Reilly doing what he does best, assisting goals, scoring them as well tonight. But Dyson Mieta getting on the score sheet, I think, is, is a good thing as well. Oh, as it'll do wonders for his confidence. Um, but I, I, I mean, as good as the goal, like the Dyson Maeda's the touch and finish was, the, the spot and pass and uh, mm-hmm. precision he passed for Matt O'Reilly was exceptional because he's on the, he's almost on the shy line um, and he sees that run for Maeda for nowhere and it's a perfectly weighted ball uh, and Maeda, absolutely brilliant. He, he, it's no something that's synonymous with him but it's that first touch where he just rolls the boot over it as he's running towards the byline, he rolls his foot over it and just checks. And then it's one swift movement and the first time striking the keeper's got no chance. And it's it's not even a blooter like what Maeda normally does. Just just get Corner flag ones. It was, aye, it was sort of caressed in and it was it was just... Uh, I actually didn't realise it was Maeda at first. I thought it was fucking McGregor or something. It was just... It was a, it was a really, really good goal. Uh, but again... Another really well worked goal, um, and mm-hmm. probably at that point that was where I was walking about the living room, slapping my chest and going, "I've got my Celtic back! I've got my Celtic back!" That's what it felt like. Listen, there's a long way to go uh, in the title race, and we need to keep this going because it's only a game and a half. But I felt like it was back to the Celtic I know and love the night, and then the second half on Sunday. And at this stage of the season, if we can keep that going then it could be massive uh, come come me. Yeah, Paul Paul comes in here. Hearts will be the big test. Win that. And yeah, I think we've turned the corner. Uh, San Fran wishes we could play Rangers this weekend. I know people were kind of banking on that result. But I don't really look at what's happening when we're playing, obviously. I know they were getting beat 1-0 at Rugby Park at halftime. But look, it's Derek McInnes. I mean, he's got a wee bottle of wine, a wee, a wee 10 pack of Coors in the fridge. From Clementine. It's all good. They win too. We just had to keep winning our games and focusing on ourselves. And as we spoke about, Ross, you were slapping your chest, and then another person who makes you fist pump your chest, probably, or fence pump your chest, Greg Taylor. <laughs> Greg Taylor comes in. I mean, Gregory, as you and you really call him all the time, just floats yeah. in at the back post. Johnson with the assist, they just give it to him because he hit the ball originally. He took a deflection, and Taylor was starting to map up. And what I loved it about tonight was there was bodies in the box all the time. Whether it was the left or the right or even go through the middle, there was midfield runners. There was people coming in from right and left back to get into the box and it was just dynamic and it was fluid and there was chances falling to everybody. And Greg Taylor, the third goal of the season, heard the commentary say, and a couple of assists this evening. I mean, we talked. I talked about Burnaby being first choice by Christmas. I think I need to have a couple of doses of humble pie, don't I? But again... He's pulled up trumps, and as I said, I thought it was one of his best performances tonight of the season, and in a Celtic shirt, in my opinion. Aye, uh, listen, he, his goal was the icing on the cake. Ross, the dust on Urban Taylor scored the aisle. It was, it was 
I'm not going to say anything. But, <laughs> but aye, it was uh, it wasn't far off that. But aye, that was the icing on the cake. Um, as you say, it, it was a, a performance, a, a leader and a, a senior figure in the team. Um, he was one of the ones that seemingly uh, put had was talking in the, ch- uh, the dressing room after the Kilmarnock game, along with McGregor. They're just the guys. They're, they're guys that get it. They've been over the course. They know what it takes to, to win a league title. And I think in the last game and a half, guys like him, I was... Listen, McGregor's the captain. He's he gets it. He knows what it's about. I didn't think he had his best game on Sunday. Uh, I thought mm. he was really good tonight. But at, at this point now, after that, I think that Kilmarnock game was like the straw that broke the camel's back for some of the senior players, and they've just sort of grabbed grabbed the season by the scruff of the neck in these last couple of games. And I just hope that they they don't let it go until they have to let it go and get their hands on that trophy. Yeah, and as you said, we say get our hands on a trophy. You just want to focus on ourselves and keep winning the game. So I mean, I, I know as I said there that result the rugby park got people's hopes up, but I didn't take notice of it. Just didn't because I knew what was coming. No. And you need to focus. What was it? The famous thing yeah. we focus on our own front yard. Focus on yeah. write our own story, as Roger said. That's the new one. We create our own story, and then in between that, we obviously have to talk about a few mishaps. The the Curtis main goal was chalked off again. Another long ball wasn't dealt with. It bounced, I think. And then he got in between Carter Vickers and Scales. He went for Scales, bullied him off the ball. And then again, it was actually a good finish. I think maybe Joe Hart could have done better with it. But the, the goal was chalked off. Minimal, by the way. And I see, to be honest, I was like, are you joking me? See, if I was against us, I'd be furious that, that that was chalked off. But it was chalked off. But again, it just shows you some of the mistakes that we have at the back. Um. Aye, well, listen, there's, there's, it wasn't, nothing can ever be perfect, and that, that was not great defending. You, you say there that Curtis Main bullied Scales off the ball. There's no Curtis Main bullied a lot of guys off the ball, but I think in oh, Scales' of course, defense, yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, aye, but I think in Scales' defence as well, as Main sort of bumps into him, Scales is off the ground. So he's not got any leverage to, to put in and back. So I think he has pushed. It looks like he's pushed off the ball quite easily, but he's in there. So that that's how it looks worse. But uh, I don't know if Hart could do much about it. But for me, when I when I seen the first replay, I thought oh, smiles on side. It's not even yeah. It's so not even I. like a decision. Just got on with it. But then it's like. The width was it here. an arm? Was it an arm? I, I, it was I like even, it was... I don't even know, man. It was like they, they were basically it was that. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. Like, Fucking hell, man. But listen, apparently, uh, offsides are like black and white, if you like, or red and blue, according to the lines. Um, but I, if it was offside, but as you say, if that was against Celtic. I would be apoplectic, eh, especially yeah. if they were maybe if it was a tight game or that. But um, at, at the end of the day, it's not made a great deal of difference to the outcome of the game, but it's just one of the ones, isn't it? Paul McFarland, Celtic are coming, and so was Ross. Clones McNugget is in. All right, boys, just back from the game. What a performance. That's more like the, the, them 
Uh, they tired in the second half. Only annoying thing was that mob winning at Rugby Park. As I said, plunged there earlier before, before you joined us. We just ha- have to win our games. Focus on ourselves and keep going. Yeah. Again, we can't control what they do. And quite frankly, don't give a fuck what they do, to be honest. But <laughs> Captain Cal got on the score seat, McGregor. And the ball came into him. People, I think it's for me anyway. <laughs> I don't, don't, don't think he actually expected it to come that easy to him. I thought he should have hit it first time. We bit a fumble between him and Taylor. Taylor laid it back to him. First time finish past Trevor Carson in the, in the net. And as I said, the Taylor with an assist. And Cal McGregor will come on to him as well. Again, speak about him in the second half, half when he came off. But people, like you said, kind of not writing him off. But actually, to be fair, I've seen a, strange, a couple of strange posts on Twitter saying, should he be captain and should he be stripped of the captaincy and, and all this. Look, this is off the back of a few different performances. The guy plays about four million games a season. He's been so consistent for us since he's ever broke into the team. He's took over for Scott Brown and continued success. It's not as if it's went tits up and, and he's since he's been captain of the club. Do you know what I mean? He's Mr. Consistent. And I thought for myself, moving him up position, Tomoki in behind him, freed him up, and he was making runs into the box. He was linking up really well with O'Reilly. And for me, he fairly deserved his goal. I he absolutely did. Touching on people on Twitter and social media and that, uh, talking about him being stripped to the captain, saying that I sometimes think that folks should get breathalyzed or something before they post on Twitter. It's actually unbelievable some shit it gets posted. But um, aye, Callum McGregor, he shouldn't be getting stripped to the captain. So he's no had his best season, but neither is the whole team. Um, but I tonight, I thought not back to his best, but influential in the game, dictating the play, uh, and for the goal, I, I know what you're saying uh, in terms of he could have took it first time. But I, th- I think he had space in the box, but I don't think there was a shot mm-hmm. on because there was a few defenders in the way. But I think then they worked the space pretty well. He gave it to Greg Taylor. I don't think he was expecting it back, but Greg Taylor sees that he's in space again, and by that point. Defenders have moved, so they've worked the space really well, and he gets the shot away. And it's low. It, listen, it's not right in the corner, but it's low and hard, and the keeper probably sees it late. So, at that point, at that sort of front of goal like that, just hit the target, and you've got a good chance of scoring, and that's what happened. Uh, yeah. What goal was that? Was that the fourth? Fifth? No, that was the sixth. Six. Six. six uh, yeah. Aye, right on half time. Yeah. We're getting through them right here, Ross, aren't we? We're in good uh, time. I'm People thought this would take them 24 hours. <laughs> I know, eh? <laughs> but, but as you said, that, that's the sick goal. And, I mean, just to touch upon a few things, again, that happened in the first half, the Matt O'Reilly shot off the bar. High, high wow. sweet that he hit that. That was like an arrow just... Poof, and it just bang off the bar. That would have been goal of the season, in my opinion, if it went in. It was an unbelievable technique. To, because it, it, it actually was... Do you know that way when you're hitting that, you always say, get get your leg over it. But the, the mm-hmm. ball was so high, It was quite high up. It was sort of waist height. And he manages to get his foot over it. And he, he does that sort of cut. So the ball spins, like he cuts underneath it to get to keep it down. Really. Um, but it was a tremendous effort. Uh, and similar to Palma in the second half, that mm. for, for a couple of inches, it, it would be 9-1 the night we're looking at. Um, but um, aye, unbelievable technique, and that would have been for me. That's probably goal of the season. But then it's probably I, I, I might be getting my time scales right here or wrong. Um, 
it could be between that one and I think it was the goal that Matt O'Reilly scored at Tynecastle. Palmer played it over the yes. top. That was this season, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was this season, yeah. Yeah. Aye, Brilliant goal. So Fucking fantastic two, two, goal that was. Aye. That's when we were and motor and everyone was rosy in the garden. <laughs> I well, the, the garden has a couple of weeds in it now and a couple of thorn bushes like we need to be chopped down but we're getting there I feel, I feel like tonight and, and Fair Park could be I don't want to say turning point but, but make a difference going throughout this season for confidence anyway but another player just quickly Ross me and you speak about him all the time and I, I didn't want to kind of go over the podcast about talking about him was Tomoki Iwata look he didn't score the goals he, he wasn't involved in the, the the attacking phase of play high up the pitch but what I thought he did was protect that back four really well he was quick across the ground there was a point in the first half where Carter Vickers gave away a sloppy ball their striker pounced on it and it was a while of closing down him on a back he was way up the pitch and it just fought for me anyway he offers so much in that midfield and you see the the kind of freedom as I said about Cal McGregor and O'Reilly don't have to really worry as much come back the way I think Tomoki can cover the ground and as I said he's not afraid of a tackle and for me anyway you said it before we come on it goes unnoticed because it's a dirty side of the, the game and you're not seeing flashy play and brilliant passes or skill or, and goals and assists but I thought for the for the main anyway I thought he was a, a brilliant player in terms of that, in, in that game against Dundee Hi uh, listen uh, I used to love when I was growing up and now I'm not comparing them well I'm Slightly, but I'm not saying he's as good as him eh, because he's not done it for that lengthy time. But growing up, Neil Lennon was my hero and he, he'd mm. done that job. Tomoki Awata comes in and does a, a similar job to what Neil Lennon was asked to do, eh, albeit it's a different formation eh, and a different time. But as you say, that's what he's brought in to do. Eh, and me and you have been talking about Awata being in the team for a long while eh, this season. Eh, and Everybody's alluded to the fact that they would like someday. I don't know if you would call him an enforcer, but that someday mm. it's, it's just no all about because as people have made the case that we've got a lot of midfielders that do the same job, and Awata is a different entity for all of them, and I think you need that type of guy. And everybody's been saying, "Oh, we need to sign that type of player," and he's he's right under our noses, and he's yeah. he's got qualities as well, like. Albeit, I'm I'm not saying Awata is as good at doing that job as what um, Neil Lennon was, but he's certainly more technical player than Neil Lennon. He'll get you. He'll chip yeah. in with goals quicker. As he's shown. Quicker he scored well. the time cast. He's quicker across the ground. But listen, that's probably down to modern day as well because footballers are more athletic now than they ever were. Um, but mm-hmm. I, for me. It's a difficult one because you look at it and you go right, Matt O'Reilly. Really good, Cal McGregor. Really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Hatati comes back, for me, listen, I think Matt O'Reilly's brilliant. But if Hatati comes back and he, he becomes the Hatati, he old. Unless O'Reilly's form improves, his position in that team might be under threat. But I mean, that's that sounds silly to say that. But for me, I think a water similar to Yang has to be in that midfield three don't know. but mm-hmm. when Hatati comes back it's, it's it's really difficult to drop him or O'Reilly but I just like the way the midfield works where I want in it I think and he protects that back four as you say and he, he just makes us look that bit more solid whereas for weeks and months now we've looked really soft and weak 
uh, and he just mm-hmm. provides that solidity in the middle of the park that we've been missing for me. Yeah, every time I've seen him get the ball, it was one touch out of his feet. There was no kind of taking right. three, four, five touches and kind of slowing the play up. He was moving on quick, and I think Admiral Abroad comes in here. I want a new number six going forward, McGregor further up, and two new mid- midfielders for next season to replace O'Reilly, obviously uh, future-proofing. Uh, Paul McFarlane, Ross, is your retro shirt from the 86th season? It's the uh, 85. Uh, Scottish got fine. 85. Bronze McNugget, O'Reilly was a lot better tonight. And yeah, as I said, kind of round up in Iwata. I just thought he was simple and effective. And we were all talking about Bernardo. Now he's dropped off the face of the cliff. I know that's a discussion for another podcast in terms of where he fits in now with Iwata and Atate coming back, especially him and his fitness journey. But look, we'll, we'll move on to the, the second half. Uh, Ross, McGregor comes off. Now, before I come on to Daniel Kelly, who I thought had an outstanding game in midfield, I thought he was calm, composed, and he was moving the ball well. They, I mean... Resting McGregor like that, I think, is a good thing. We were 6-0 up. And yeah, we probably should have had more opportunities to do that earlier in the season, but we weren't putting teams away like we did tonight. But resting McGregor, getting in peak McGregor for this, I mean, this run of tricksters. I mean, Tynecastle next on Sunday, another tough game. But to have him getting 45 minutes rest, getting back into the team again for Sunday is a good thing because as we spoke about, people were complaining about his indifference performances. But I think a, a lot a lot to do that. There's 60 games a season, 70 games a season. Mm-hmm. The fellow needs a break. Aye, abs- absolutely. Uh, and to be honest with you, I never even gave that a thought during the game. I was just wanting more goals. But when when I seen him, did he come off at half-time or was it just after half-time? Half-time, he came off, yeah. Aye. I think it was a good decision, good management for Rodgers because get, looking ahead to the Tynecastle game, which is probably going to be a, a tough it's usually is a, a, a tough away venue for us. Um, but uh, that, that could prove invaluable, Cal McGregor getting that 45-minute rest. And we were able to bring off uh, Carter Vickers. And th- that again, that's easing him back into the team after a long layoff. Uh, and we were, able to, we were able to bring off other players and uh, give them rest as well. So not, not rest as such, but they don't have to go at it full throttle. Yeah. Um, for 90 minutes going into the Tynecastle game it's the the squad is in it's in a decent place going into that in terms of rest in terms of confidence in terms of the way we're playing so uh, listen I don't like it too far ahead of myself because we've been at this sort of crossroads junction before Um, but it's certainly we're getting that good feeling back a for me, what what we had at the start of the season when we were at top of the league, and as I say, you you look back to that game at Tynecastle earlier in the season, how well we played in that game, how well we started, we're getting back to that sort of form, and it's pleasing coming into this mm-hmm. stage of the season. But we're obviously in a title race. But as you say, listen, I'll be honest with you, I was checking the Rangers score of the night. Of course, I was like everybody else, but I wasn't like. Hanging on it, if you know what I mean, because I know that it doesn't really matter. If we keep winning our games, then we go into Ibrox, status quo, and have every confidence if we're playing the way we're playing now. I think we're playing better than now than what we were. And on, on certainly injury wise, the squad and the way we're playing is probably better than what we were going into the last Ibrox game. And we managed to pull something out of the hat then. 
I wouldn't put it past mm-hmm. this team to pull something out of the hat again. But as I say, if we if we continue this form and this level of confidence all the way up to that, and then we win at Ibrox, it's not pulling one out of the hat. It's just winning at Ibrox. Yeah, 100%. And I'm most looking forward to getting back over with you guys and a couple of beers watching that game. 100% will be good, obviously. But Daniel Kelly comes on and he gets a goal, Ross. Yang, again, hard work down the right-hand side, puts in a low ball, a couple of dummies by Keogh going to Riley, follows the Kelly on the edge of the box, and apparently he's left-footed, but that right-footed strike was a belter right into the top bag. And look, I'm not saying... We're not going to get carried away with ourselves and we've got the next big thing coming through the Youth Academy. I've seen your comment saying Barrowfield's already paying off and Daniel <laughs> Kelly's getting on the pitch. But I think for me anyway, Roger's done the right thing. He, he could have brought on a more experienced midfielder, but he gave a youth product an opportunity in that game. He's come on, got a reward, got a goal, a, a night he's going to remember for the rest of his life, whether or not he makes the great at Celtic in, in, in the future and stuff and seasons going forward. But while he was on the pitch, I thought he was good. I thought he linked up really well with the team. And he didn't look out of place? No. Uh, listen, it's always easier to come into a game uh, when your team's winning 6-0. Um, but for a young guy in front of that big crowd, to play the way he did, listen, he, he didn't... I was, was going to say he never done anything spectacular, but he did. He scored that brilliant goal. But in terms of in-game play, out with the goal, it was, it was just steady stuff. Nothing fancy. Mm-hmm. Just keeping it simple. But the goal itself, eh, as it obviously, I think it, the Kyogo must have had a shout for him, which is again, mm-hmm. I, I think that is, shows confidence for the young boy to tell Kyogo leave this, this is mine, eh, and then he just comes on to it, the pace is on the ball, and he just redirects it, but right into the top bins, it's it was a tremendous finish. Tremendously cultured finish and confident finish for a young guy who could have just lashed at that and skied it over the bar and missed his opportunity. And nobody would have batted an eyelid because he's young and we were already up 6 0 or 6 1 at the time. Can't kind of mind. Everything's just merging. But uh, it, was no, it was 6 0. It was a brilliant finish. Well done to the young guy. And I really hope that he can make the grade and uh, be the next. Callum McGregor. <laughs> I love, as you said, culture finish as well. I mean, again, another conversation for another day on a podcast. But where do, where does that leave home? Where does that leave Bernardo? I mean, all these players who were overlooked for for Kelly to get on. I know I said it was the right decision, but these players must be going. Why? Do you know what I mean? That, that, that's uh, what I'd be thinking. But look, he took this opportunity and he took his goal. Been injured, don't they? Oh, mate, the whole team was injured at one point this season. I can't keep track <laughs> of that physio table, but. Obviously, after that, um, Mellon came on for Dundee, made an impact. He got a goal. We didn't get the clean sheet. It was a ball cross on the right-hand side. Missed everybody. Johnson was the last man. Could have been closer to Mellon, probably. But he catches it well in the volley. Bounces off the ground. Goes past Joe Hart. Didn't get the clean sheet. For me, that's the only negative of tonight's aye. game. Aye. And, I mean, you could pack the bones out of the goal, but what's the point? We were winning 7-0 or whatever it was. Uh, but... I mean, you look at it, probably the whole team is drawn to the ball and then Dundee, mm. you have to give them a bit of credit. They played through the, the that kind of wee tight space and then got the ball across and by that point, everybody's out of position. Eh? And it's a decent finish for a young guy. Joe Hart can't do much about it, but as you say, it's the only blot on the, 
sorry, copybook the night, but um, I think you can let Celtic off with that wee lapse in concentration, uh, considering the amount of goals that they pulled back in uh, on Rangers the night as well. I think I think maybe the, the, the goal difference was eight going into the night, and it's now probably, what is it, two? Two, it would be two, two I think, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think as you said, goal difference is a major thing. And, uh, what was it? Hundred percent. And uh, Plons McNugget, uh, no, Paul McFarland. Sorry, why did Celtic's performance drop off the second half? Goal difference could be all important. Yeah, I think we all agree in that aspect of things. But look, got got the the seven goals tonight. Rounded off a great victory, seven one. It looked like the rain was bouncing down at the end of that match. Supporters would be glad they got home, feeling good, feeling enthusiastic about what's to come. Ten Castle next, but. Great team performance for us. Kind of your summary of this evening and the game. Where does it take you? What's your feelings towards the next coming games anyway? Hey, one of excitement and anticipation. Um, I got up this morning and I was buzzing for the game tonight, but I was also um, apprehensive. Oh, tonight, but that's Will you please stop talking about my undercarriage? <laughs> um, <laughs> I got up this morning and it was I was buzzing for the game, but it was apprehension as well because I didn't know what Celtic were going to turn up because, as we say, we've seen it before where we've had a good second half performance or whatever and you think we've maybe turned the corner and then you get into the next game and the players that came on and done well in the previous game start the next game and then they don't do well, but none of that happened tonight. Uh, so because of that, I'm going into the next game. Listen, it's Tyne Castle. There's always apprehension there, but I'm really looking forward to it and I'm back feeling good about Celtic uh, and hopefully they can just, as I've said, keep it going. It was a tremendous performance tonight, as you say. There was bodies in the box that were breaking the lines. There was runners from midfield. Everything was just flowing really well and the confidence for me is back. And if we play like that, for the next what is it ten games? Ten games. I yeah. don't think. I, for me personally, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I, I just really believe that if we play to that level, there's no team in the country can live with us. Listen, Rangers games will be really difficult, but and they'll be tight games. Celtic will no blow them off the park if they play at that. But I think Celtic win both times if they play at that level I think if Rangers play at their optimum levels and Celtic play at their optimum levels Celtic win the day 9 times out of 10 10 times out of 10 Yeah, I think that's a great way to kind of sum it up and as you said, for the next 10 games we need, we need to build on that consistency get that momentum going the crowd tonight was excellent by the way I thought the atmosphere was great from what I could hear on, on the TV it was watching on anyway and they get behind the, the team roar at and half was the roar at half time was brilliant it was brilliant. It was. I felt like I, said, I turned to my grandma. Said it felt like a Champions League night. Knowing that kind of the roar, as you said there at the halftime interval. But yeah, look, Roger said we 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 write our own story. Let's hope we continue to write a couple more pages of this towards the end of the season and build that consistency up. But we'll be back Friday with the usual podcast, a couple of beers, I'm sure, a couple of laughs, and look, we're looking forward to that. We'll, I'm guessing, be talking about the the game coming up at Tank Castle. But until then, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail. <laughs>